Welcome to Indie Insider, presented by Blackshell Media. This is the weekly show where we talk with video game developers and professionals about their stories, their advice for others, and their thoughts on the indie video game industry. I'm Logan Schultz, and on today's show, I sit down and talk with the two gentlemen behind The Underground King, which is perhaps most notable for being the final Steam Greenlight game ever. We talk about what happens when your game becomes known for something out of your control, the pressures of finding the right partner to work with, and the stresses of their current Kickstarter campaign. As always, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas on what we should do next, shoot me an email at logan at blackshellmedia.com. You can also find the most up-to-date news on the Indie Insider podcast on Twitter by following at Logan A. Schultz. And now, Alex and Alex, developers of The Underground King. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Indie Insider. And today, I am talking to the Alexes, the Alex I, the Alex plural of uh, the team behind The Underground King, which has kind of a unique story. Uh, and I'm excited to chat with them. Um, guys, how's it going? It's going well, thank you. Yep, happy to be here. Excellent. All right, so um, Alex Nay and Alex Nikita. Uh, now, Alex Nay, um, you said I can refer to you as Nick. That might help sure. us kind of keep things clean um, and organized for a radio podcast like this. Um, awesome. So you will be Nick from now on. Um, Alex Nikita, I'm just going to refer to you as Alex. Is that all right? Yep. Great. That's perfect. And... Uh, Let's let's just start right at the beginning. Um, you two are making a game together called The Underground King. Does somebody want to tell me what The Underground King is? Uh, the Underground King is a strategy racing RPG. Um, it's similar to Darkest Dungeon or XCOM in format. Oh, okay. Um, the theme of the game is that you are basically a manager and uh, you train and guide your drivers which are uh, low lives of the city. Uh, you assemble junk cars from spare parts and rusty frames, and uh, you compete in illegal street racing for um, prizes and infamy. <laughs> All right, I like the art style of this game. If people want to check it out, you're actually running a Kickstarter right now. Um, and as of you know today, this recording, which we're recording on Wednesday, June 14th, there are 21 days left in your Kickstarter. Um, and you can check it out. You've got some GIFs. You had a trailer. I mean, it it looks really cool. So um, congratulations on on all of this so far, guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Alex, nay, Nick, um, you refer to yourself as kind of artist, sound designer, um, co-game designer. Um, you know, what is it like? What has it been like putting this game together? Well, um, we, I had the uh, advantage, I mean, we had the advantage. I started working on the game back in 2014. Okay. Um, I was uh, sketching out the concept. It was a little different back then. It was meant for mobile, for uh, uh, the uh, Play Store, for the Google Play Store. Okay. Um, so um, I had the idea pretty much uh, sketched out. Uh, but I had to kind of quit uh, the process of developing the game because I had other projects back then. And uh, so then I met Alex, um, pretty recent. And we talked a lot. We had a lot of things in common. Uh, we worked together with both uh, 
uh, artists and design and uh, programmers that uh, weren't too passionate about uh, making games like uh, we were and we are. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we said, uh, screw it, let's try um, this idea that I had back then, uh, make it from the bottom up and uh, see what will end up like. And um, yeah, I don't know, it wasn't that hard to make. Uh, as I said, we have a very similar taste in, uh, um, I don't know, ideas, um, uh, game concepts, and um, uh, pretty much everything that uh, that we put in the game. So it wasn't that hard to uh, create this idea. Sure, yeah, I get that. So how did the two of you actually uh, end up meeting initially? Well, I was bored at work and uh, kept getting notifications from various Google groups about other indies I looked up to. I personally tried to become an indie developer uh, in, when I was in Romania. But uh, as uh, Nick said, uh, it's hard to find people that are that will remain passionate after the initial hype, you know, in the beginning, let's make the best game ever. And uh, he was uh, uh, he was raging a bit on one of the groups because he was abandoned by another another programmer. Uh, and I um, this happened to me, but with artists. And uh, I saw kindred spirit in a in a shitty situation. You know, you invest a lot of work and time, and then people abandon you. You feel very discouraged, let's say. And I tried to help him. Uh, just as a moral support at the beginning, but as we spoke and uh, he showed me more and more of his art, I just fell in love with his style and uh, his passion was um, uh, viral. Yeah, it was love at first sight. <laughs> this is not the first time that I've had uh, two uh, cohorts on the show talking about how their working relationship ends up feeling a bit like an actual relationship. Uh, yeah, or a personal yeah. relationship because you work so closely together right and and spend so much time interacting with each other uh, uh, actually i'm in berlin and he's in uh, bucharest so we never actually met face to face sure you still haven't met face to face no yeah not yet sure um well nick before we get too far away from that um alex mentioned that you were kind of frustrated you had been abandoned uh kind of mid-project or while you were working would you mind going into that just a little bit? I'm curious about your experience with um, struggling with you know other uh, people you worked with. Oh well, pretty much I'm in this uh, business, let's say, since 2010, and I kind of had my uh, share of people and projects. And um, um, before meeting Alex, I was working on quite a large project, um, a dungeon crawler sort of game. And um, yeah, I was working with another friend from Romania, um, and he kind of had to bail on the project because uh, of work and uh, family problems. And uh, I kept um, asking people around, like, if you guys can help me programming uh, this idea that I have. And uh, yeah, meeting Alex was uh, really unexpected. We didn't had. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I didn't knew that he was a programmer when we started talking. So one thing kind of led to another. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to find someone that's really... that has the same vision as you have 
like okay we work on a game but uh, we will make we will finish the game in a year or two can you keep the hype for all this period or you will be hyped for like a month and then you will say screw it i will go do something else well right you don't want anyone to abandon you again right i mean that's it's it's tough you need to keep your your energy high your passion high and your motivation high yeah right, exactly to, to get through yeah. a project like this well uh we talked a bit about nick um alex you are or your responsibilities with this game are self-proclaimed fashion model wizard and programmer is that right <laughs> yes <laughs> so what does your day-to-day look like working on the underground king well i usually go to sleep about 3 a.m because uh, I'm the most, um, I don't know, at night it's the most peaceful, the least distracting, and uh, when I'm tired I do my best coding. I'm pretty sure other programmers can uh, sympathize. Um, I try to wake up around 10, then, you know, do the morning routine, and about 12 I start um, syncing up with Nick. We don't really work at the same thing at the same time, because uh, if I'm integrating art, he's doing art for something else. But at the end of the week, we try to, you know, finish up the feature we're both working on. So are you both um, working other jobs while doing this? Is this a side project for you? Or are you both you know, fully in on this project at this point? At this point, we are fully in. Uh, we were working on other projects, as at least uh, I was doing that. Um, but yeah, we need to kind of focus because we had a lot of work to, to cover for <clears throat> only two guys. Sure. It, it currently is only the two of you working on this, right? Or do you bring other people in to help out? Uh, well, we each have, you know, friends and family that help out with uh, information, moral support. It, it's better to have um, people on your side, especially, you know, through the stress of the game development. Right, absolutely. So have you guys have both uh, worked on other games in the past, and have you released other games previously before this? Um, well, I worked on a lot of games I don't know, 10 titles or so. I released one game on Android. Um, the fun thing was uh, before it, uh, we made that game in two days. Um, and the project that we worked on before that took almost a year. So, yeah, we didn't really, uh, me and the guys I, wor- I worked in with, didn't really release any big project because... Um, I don't know, I never felt uh, satisfied with the end result and I thought that uh, I would prefer to invest more time into um, learning about um, making games and then come up with something worth playing. Uh, I worked at uh, King Games for the past three years. I work on a game called Alphabet Saga in Bucharest and when I moved to Berlin I work in Candy Crush Jelly. Oh wow, okay. But after three years of working on uh, match three games, you start to, you know, want to eat something else. <laughs> sure, and that's fair. And yeah, uh, and then Nick uh, appeared out of nowhere, and I saw an opportunity that okay, it's time to move on. I have something um, uh, that really, really sparked my passion again. So yeah, it was a perfect time. Great. Uh, do you two have a name for your quote-unquote studio? That y- your team. Yeah, not really. We didn't thought about that. Um, we wanted to keep it as uh, close as the idea that two guys are working on a game, but not a company. Okay. So yeah, the the real, um, I guess the real idea is that it's this game, The Underground King, uh, which again, 
is on Kickstarter, 21 Days Left, so you can go and check it out. Um, but I guess one of the main things that's so interesting about this game and, and the story, and uh, when you reached out to me, kind of caught my eye, is that your game, The Underground King, is officially the last game on Steam Greenlight. What What is that experience like? Because obviously you weren't planning on that or aiming for that, were you? No, they didn't uh, release. They said that they're going to change to Steam Direct, but they never said when. It's the cutoff point. We all assumed that they would stop um, submissions to Greenlight, but you could still vote for a while. But they just stopped cold turkey. And it was a f- we submitted 15 minutes before the... Um, the actual window closed. Oh wow! We we streamed the launch of the uh, Greenlight page as well as the Kickstarter as a um, launch party. And after I closed it, people kept writing comments that "Wow, you're the last game," and we just thought we're the latest game. But it turns out we were on you know the last item on the page. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess what does that mean? Are people paying attention to your game? more or less because it is the last steam greenlight game uh we have like 363 comments last time i checked uh with people that write vote or plus on steam (laughs) on steam yeah although (laughs) we've already been greenlit by steam uh, mostly because i think of jim sterling he did a piece on our game uh as part of his uh, greenlight good stuff which was even a better thing Yeah. yeah Yeah, so you've gotten some press attention. Um, you know, Jim Sterling mentioned it, and obviously you told me about a Kotaku article that focused specifically on the fact that you were the last Steam Greenlight game. It It's like the last game on Greenlight is pretty good, something like that he said. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, um, some exposure is better than no exposure, but good exposure is best. Yeah. And we were lucky that everybody so far in the press uh, really liked our game. And the worst thing is that even the guys, um, players who tried out the demo or just saw the art or what the game is about, they really didn't have anything negative to say, which is weird for me because, as I said, I'm in this industry since uh, 2010 and I've seen a lot of mixed comments. So we never had our first hater so far, which is really, really (laughs) weird. Okay. So a lot of positive feedback from players at this point. What are people saying about the game? Well, um, everybody has a certain aspect they love about the game. Uh, most people see the art, at least in the screenshots and GIFs. Um, people also like the atmosphere, the you know Mad Max in suburban city kind of feel. Um, those who actually played the demo and we're reaching about 500 downloads on uh, each I.O., um, I don't know, the, all the emails and comments we got so far was, uh, when can I have more? Yeah, yeah. There is just a demo, the content is quite limited, so they want the full version. And I think uh, one of the things that they appreciated was uh, the thing that we actually aimed for from the beginning, the personality of the game. We didn't want a copycat of something else, even if... Uh, we didn't bring anything new to the table, but the way that we aimed to make this game was something that will reflect our um, attitude towards game. I don't know, I think we hit a little bit of that, and people seem to understand it and kind of appreciate it, which is awesome. 
um, in the beginning you need to have like a, a very good core of the game and everything else is just fluff upon it. And uh, with all this experience, I think the people have spoken that the core is good. So we can now confidently build upon it. Yeah, that, that was the thing that we worked mostly on, was uh, making a good um, core for the game. That, that was the, the thing that I kind of learned from working on games so far. Uh, you need to kind of build something and then delete everything you can so you'll have an awesome experience with the core mechanics of the game. And then you will build uh, the new game from that point. So dive into that a little bit further for me. Obviously, you know, um, like you've just said, the core of the game is so important. It seems like people are really enjoying that. But one thing we talk about on the show so often is that there are so many indie games out there and there's so many options, um, you know, just trying to gain a piece of people's time. What are you going to do now that really um, is going to be that element that differentiates your game or that makes your game stand out or, you know, from the crowd? How to survive the indie apocalypse? <laughs> Essentially. Uh, well, everybody has exactly the same problem. Um, I think that in any market that becomes saturated, and I think it's a natural conclusion to any market, even games, is that you need to find your niche um, public. And um, that's about it. You just need to find the people that want to buy your game really, really hard. They just don't know it exists yet. And basically, that's <laughs> the purpose of our Kickstarter is to find out, to um, expose our game to as many people as you can. And the fans that would pay even 250 euros to get all the goodies um, will actually learn about the game and have the opportunity to contribute or buy it eventually. So I think now you need to make a decent game and then just put a lot of marketing in it. Yeah, and uh, to add to what Alex said, uh, and also as a piece of advice for other developers that uh, might uh, listen to this podcast, um, don't really think that much about this part, like how can I make something new, because you'll never make something new, you will <laughs> make something in your own vision. Try to make that vision as uh, honest to yourself as you can, and just try to make a game that you will find fun after, uh, even if you uh, finish it, like you will get bored of the same thing doing over and over again. If you can find the game fun after a year of development, uh, then you did something right. So sure, I mean, that's, that is so important is making something that's true to yourself. And that's going to help you get through that long period of time where you're making a game, especially with, you know, just two people. Uh, I think that's absolutely true. You talked a bit about marketing and getting in front of people. Um, and obviously this Kickstarter, I'm sure, is, is a great start for that. Um, where do you go from here in terms of marketing? I know you're probably not at that point yet, but the game is out there in front of people now. People are writing articles about it. People are giving you response to you know initial gameplay. What are you thinking in terms of next step, in terms of you know putting it out in front of people? Well, um, it was a little bit of... <laughs> anxiety explosion at least in my mind um, <laughs> you make something and then you become vulnerable to you know negativity and criticism but um, one thing that I, I, 
that I liked about uh, uh, Nick and myself is that we know that with enough positivity, positivity you can drown any naysayers. And that's what we did. Um, you know, there are trolls everywhere and they do threats and, uh, you know, they try to get an emotional response. But uh, all our attitudes were, were positive and encouraging and thankful. Uh, I think at least myself I got over it and now it's just about the responsibility of delivering, of meeting expectations. Because we kind of hyped our game uh, on what it could be and we need to deliver at least what people expect the final version to be. Yeah, and one other thing that uh, happened was uh, being the last game on Steam. So uh, that's another thing uh, added on top of the initial hype because people uh, will expect something good in the end. We will deliver something good, but I don't know how, well, what, what they, they expect the game to be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We will uh, make the game for uh, PC, Mac, and Linux. This is our first first priority. Then uh, uh, for Air Console, we will try a multiplayer version, a light multiplayer. And then we will try to make the game multiplayer for uh, PC, Mac, and Linux again. And we don't have another plan from that point on. We will, we will just go with the flow, see what people say about the game. And yeah, we will take feedback. Uh, Jim Sterling uh, mentioned, but it was like a passing comment, he would love this game on Vita and or Switch, um, which is not off the table, but it is very expensive, and uh, it's definitely something for later, if it happens at all. Yeah. Sure, I mean, that's got to be uh, something everybody wants, right, is, is handheld games and things on the go. Uh, that's, you know, uh, something people really have their eyes on right now. Um so I imagine that, you know, I'm sure if the game does well, that's something you would really consider. But yeah, the expense is probably an obstacle to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. So you're here to promote the Kickstarter for the Underground King. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what the Kickstarter campaign is like and, and what you're shooting for? Uh, well, we are aiming for 15,000 euros, which is about $17,000. Um, after we did some calculations, we estimated how much we would need to give the game a, a let's say a boost uh, we want to release the game as fast as possible and um, have the best music and assets we can possibly make uh, the game design I don't imagine it changes because you know we put the best we can make out there um, this is just a very nice coat of paint we want to put on the game uh, at the same time, we want to use it as marketing because, you know, the Kickstarter is a platform and people can find about us from Kickstarter. And we had a lot of people that, uh, although did not support us, did re retweet um, and reposted our news. So why did you decide to use Kickstarter in the first place? Why Kickstarter? It's a way for fans to help out the game before the game even exists. We had the um, advantage of actually having a demo for people to see. Right. And uh, although I think we overpriced a little bit of our um, tiers, uh, people kept getting them. We have over uh, 87 backers right now. And uh, 
they think that the rewards are very attractive, especially the uh, higher ones. We have a lot of uh, super backers in our campaign, which is pretty sought after um, in Kickstarter in general. So you've actually received feedback from people about your um, Kickstarter rewards. I, I We haven't talked about that on the show before. How did you decide what rewards you were going to put out there? Uh, about a month or so research, Nick. Yeah, pretty much something like that. We spend a lot of time doing the Kickstarter campaign. Um, I think we had more than 10 drafts for the um, pledges. Uh, we just wanted to, I don't know, bring the uh, clay attitude to to our project. We will sell the game um, cheaper than uh, the final release. And we will give as much as we can give without uh, losing uh, the development time for the game. As I said, uh, time is our only expense that we need to take uh, care of. And uh, we didn't want to promise things that, I don't know, will move the final release of the game to an earlier month, to a later month. Sure. So that was one thing that I wanted to talk about was... You know, obviously you've got some momentum. There are people interested in your game. You have a, a pretty solid number of backers. But what happens if you end up not hitting your goal on Kickstarter? It sounds like we you're was... still going to keep moving forward anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We didn't have Kickstarter in plan initially. We wanted to make it all, all on ourselves. But um, we said, screw it. If we can get the help, why not finish the project earlier and just just focus uh, 100% on it? Um, but yeah, if the Kickstarter fails, we will still uh, see a way out of this and just make uh, the game eventually. Um, the people that already backed us uh, or supported us, we can contact them for the relaunch. Uh, we do want to like take a step back and rethink our campaign. We did get some feedback on how to improve our page, and we did. But, you know, you can always do better. I think uh, remaking the trailer from the ground up would be one of the biggest things we could change about the campaign. Um, And we would have a better better demo um, in case we don't make this campaign and we have to relaunch it. We would have a better demo. So it can only be better and better. Yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate the drive that you guys are putting into this. It sounds like, you know, no matter what, you guys are going to make the game that you want to make. You know, kind of Nick, like you said, um, you know, you're making a game that's true to yourself. And it seems like you two are lucky to have found each other. So um, that's excellent. Congratulations on, um, you know, being greenlit and uh, the Kickstarter campaign so far. Uh, I hope things continue to go well for you. And it sounds like you guys are going to make them go well for you one way or the other, which is excellent. Much appreciated, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I have a couple of larger scope questions for you before I let you get away from me, um, sure, if you don't sure. mind, if you're willing. No problem. Yep. So, guys, what do you think about um, the end of Steam Greenlight and the start of Steam Direct? I mean, you're the very last game on Steam Greenlight ever, and now the program's going away in, uh, to be replaced, quote-unquote, by uh, Steam Direct, which is kind of a... Um, pay-in model uh, more so than Steam Greenlight. Do you guys have any thoughts on that and on how indie games get onto the Steam marketplace now? I think it will be um, better in a way because um, 
the spam will the spam will be uh, less and less than it was back on uh, the green light but yeah i think we can we can just hope to something better and just live and see i think that it doesn't matter what sum of money they ask for a project to be launched um, I think asset flippers and whatnot will still manage to get out some games out there that are basically just, you know, renamed projects from the Unity Store. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I personally don't think that it will change anything. Um, what I would have wanted would have been curated games, like not having people uh, having to vote for a game because that just keeps stuff in limbo or, um, you know small indies don't have the opportunity to expose themselves i i hope i hope things will be better but personally i think that if big titles big uh, reviewers like i don't know total biscuit would have manually voted the games that are good i think we would have avoided some problems so are you two gamers yourself do you do you find time to play games and see what other indie games are out there uh, nowadays, not really, because we're kind of uh, occupied full-time with this. But yeah, we are gamers. We've been gamers since the dawn of time. Uh, I wish I had time to play as much as many games I had in high school or something like that, because yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I wish after maybe ending making this game and having the final version out, maybe I will lose like half a year on playing uh, other indie games out there so the reason that i ask if you guys are gamers or if you, if you play a lot of games obviously it sounds like you're kind of putting your heads down and and you know charging forward with the underground king um but the reason i ask is because when i asked about you know steam direct and steam greenlight you both kind of um you know made mention of the fact that it, it's a problem and you wanted to see it fixed and you both hoped that you would see things um be better and it sounds like you have some vested interest in seeing the steam marketplace um and you know the quote-unquote indie apocalypse um getting better and uh allowing more developers to get their games in front of people um i assume that's something that you're probably a little extra aware of right now as you're trying to produce your own game and get it out there and especially with the kickstarter campaign uh, i think the main problem of the indie apocalypse is not that there are too many good games out there. It's just that the good games are buried under trash. There's no delicate way to say it. There's a lot of <laughs> trash out there. Yeah. Uh, on one side, these people might just be, you know, 12 year olds who got a copy of Unity, which is free, and try to make a point and click game and, you know, let's sell it for a million dollars. But um, it's just a flood of games. And the, the problem with Greenlight was that. You know, you, it was a flip of a coin if you would have been seen without, you know, enough press or a, a publisher to help you out. And I don't think the Steam Direct will change that aspect. That's why I was going from for curation from um, the reviewers or for groups specialized for this because they do all the work and only reveal the good stuff they find. So I'm looking over this Kotaku article um, that was written about your game, um, which is in fact called The Final Steam Greenlight Game, actually looks pretty cool, written by Nathan Grayson. Um, and his last sentiment that he writes in here is, um, 
the game, uh, Underground King, may or may not be good in the end, but the final Greenlight game could have been an anime porn dating sim starring Kim Jong-un, <laughs> or yet another game where you play as poop. In these dark times, it's important to count our blessings, end quote. And uh, how does that feel to have somebody write that about you, that, you know, is the bar so low that it's great that your game isn't just another game about poop? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Is it both? I think it's both. <laughs> um, uh, as I said, we can't oversell the game because uh, we have just a small demo. We can't put out the entire idea out there. I think the entire game, the final game, will be um, worth uh, the player's time. And it will be something interesting to try at least. But yeah, as I said, that's for, uh, for the moment. Uh, he was just honest, I believe, and I really appreciate that. He didn't uh, oversell the game or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think a major problem for uh, reviewers in general is that they consider any version of the game out there as being uh, final-ish. Uh, we had a lot of comments that this game is um, looks unfinished, although we posted everywhere. It's just an alpha. It's just a demo right now, and um, I think that's what he kind of wanted to say that it's it has the potential to be good but he doesn't know because it's um it's just an alpha right now and jim sterling did say that he sees um he sees the potential in it, it he was a little more encouraging than uh, nathan but yeah that was his honest opinion and we love him for it yeah. <laughs> sure that's very kind of you that's well put um well here's one last thing i want to talk about it's that you two are working on this game you know, all on your own, just the two of you, and you two have never met each other in person. How are you finding ways to effectively um, work together and work on this game remotely, uh, having never met each other um, and having never been in the same room? Well, the most important thing is our experience, because we're both experienced uh, game designers and game developers. Uh, we know what's at stake. We know what we can win and what we can lose. And uh, yeah, I don't know, we've been mature about uh, everything we did so far, uh, because you will hear most of the time that uh, the designer had a problem with the um, developer or things like that, because one had an idea, the other one had another idea. And we thought about that and we said, okay, let's, let's make the game uh, half and half you will have your idea implemented in a way that will serve the game and then i will have my idea implemented in another way that also will serve the game and uh, yeah that thing helped us a lot even if we're not in the same room and um, we don't have the same uh, time like alex uh, as he said he wakes up around 10 or something like that which uh, uh, here in Romania will be, I don't know, 11, almost 12. And, um, uh, yeah, and he goes to sleep at around 10, which is 9 p.m. here. So we're really asynchronous. Yeah, yeah. But we know what we have to cover, what we need to do in the uh, respective day. And we just do it. We go with the flow. And I, I believe him... Uh, I believe in his powers as a programmer and in his own intuition as he believes in my artistic powers 
so we don't really have to talk over any small detail. We just go with the entire project in uh, parallel. So Nick, you mentioned that you've been working on this game for a couple of years and working on this concept at least, um, and you've kind of fluctuated with you know cohorts, partners, um, as it were, uh, before you met Alex. How do you find a way to uh, trust somebody to that extent um, that you trust Alex and, and I'm sure vice versa, Alex, um, you know, you, you said that you don't have to worry about the details. You have full trust in each other's abilities. How do you get to that point and how do you let go of, um, you know, maybe an, an idea that you have in your head? Honestly, uh, it's, uh, it's hard. I mean, it's a flip of a coin every single time. Uh, I had guys that I had fully trust in, almost every time I work with uh, another uh, programmer and they disappoint. But uh, the question that we, you need to ask yourself is what you need to do. Like if you want to make a game or you want to publish something and you need someone else, uh, can you make that effort, that extra effort to kind of meet them halfway and trust them even if eventually, not necessarily eventually, but there's a chance that you might fail. And that was the thing that I always thought about it. And I think it's applicable for for every other domain. Like, just think uh, think about the bigger picture and make the sacrifices. Often we implement something that um, if we disagree upon it, we try one version and see if it works. You know, throw stuff on the wall and see what sticks. And for that, we participate in playtests at uh, indie meetups. So we have like third third parties telling us if this is working or not, if this fits or not. Yeah. And uh, we try to learn after it. I mean, if I'm very, let's say, stubborn on one feature, we implement it and it turns out it sucks. Um, I do an introspection to see why I thought it was that good and why it turned out to be crap. And by learning this, I become, you know, less stubborn, better designer, and um, uh, we get a, a feature that is good or is not out of it. Exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, again, congratulations to you guys for, you know, if nothing else, making it this far. I'm sure that you guys are going to find a way to pull this game together one way or the other, um, and I have no doubt it will be, as uh, Kotaku said, pretty good. Uh, so, uh, congratulations on all of that and, and on finding ways to work well together. But before I let you go, I do want to ask you two for a piece of advice. I ask all of my guests at the end of every episode to share a piece of advice with the audience, something that's been true for you, something that's been on your mind lately, anything that um, you think others might benefit from, from your experience. Um, and I'd love to hear from both of you. So, Nick, do you have anything you'd like to send people home with today? Oh, I have a lot of things to say, but uh, <laughs> it will take me hours. Uh, so I don't know to sum it uh, down. Uh, just uh, be stupid. I keep saying that. Uh, be stupid as a developer. Do things that others um, that don't recommend. Fail as fast as you can. And just try everything that seems impossible at first. And don't be afraid to add your own personality, even if at, uh, I don't know, first glance, it might be off-putting. And just, I don't know, just do it. Do the same thing over and over again. And, and 
one more thing that is very, very important. If you are just beginning uh, developing games and working as an indie game creator, if you think you will make money fast from this, just stop and, I don't know, go work at McDonald's. You'll make more money there <laughs> than you will make in this domain uh, without some years of experience. Telling it like it is. Yeah. I like it. Thank you, Nick. Um, Alex, anything you'd like to share? Well, uh, I wasted four years making an isometric engine for a city builder. And when I was finished, um, Farmville came out and isometric city builder engines were everywhere. So fail faster is the best and only advice I'm, uh, I'm willing to give to other people from experience. You, when we started this project, we said... We're not going to make a new engine. We don't give a shit about spaces and tabs. We want to make a game and, uh, you know, the tools are just to get there. Great. I like it. Uh, if people have really enjoyed, you know, hearing your guys' story, if they want to find the Underground King, uh, if they want to follow you, um, you know, on social media or see what you guys are up to, how do they find you out on those interwebs? Well, uh, you can find us on Twitter. It's uncle underscore wart. Um, on Facebook, it's the Underground King game, and on Kickstarter, just uh, the Underground King. Uh, it'll pop up. Or you can go on our official website, www.theundergroundkinggame.com, and you will have links to everything. Great, that's fantastic, guys. Thank you so much again. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you reaching out to me. Um, this is a cool story. It's cool to talk to the guys who are the last ones on Steam Greenlight, which has been so important for so many people and so many indie developers. Um, so thank you for, for sharing your story. I'm excited to see how things uh, turn up for you. Thank you a lot, Logan. It was a pleasure to be here, man. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. The audience, they're going to love you guys. Uh, I'm excited to share. And that was some great advice. So thank you for... Um, being so insightful you guys clearly know what you're talking about so um, happy to have you on alex nay and alex nikita <laughs> developers of the underground king thank you for joining us this week again if you have thoughts questions or ideas you'd like to share you can email me at logan at blackshowmedia.com or reach out on twitter at logan a schultz that's l-o-g-a-n-a-s-c-h-u-l-t-z this podcast is presented by blackshell media a publishing and marketing firm dedicated to helping independent video game developers reach massive audiences, publish financially successful titles, and turn game development into a career. It's the company's mission to help game developers get more of what they want out of a rewarding opportunity in the game industry, more fans, and sustainable revenue to keep them moving forward. Blackshell Media also has an educational branch to their company, where they offer free articles and resources for aspiring and growing developers, which is why we get to bring this show to you every single week. You can find Blackshell Media on the web at blackshellmedia.com and on Twitter at blackshellmedia. This show is on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast services across the web, as well as the Blackshell Media blog. If you enjoy what we're doing here and want us to keep doing it, or if you have things you'd like us to change, please go to your favorite podcast provider and leave us a review so that we can keep sharing these episodes each week with you. Special thanks this week goes out to Raghav Mather, Daniel Doan, and Raquel Hayner, as well as Benjamin Tiso over at bensound.com for the use of his song, Going Higher. I'm Logan Schultz, and you've been listening to Indie Insider. We'll see you next week.